This is Anabaptist Perspectives. I'm here with David Berceau in his little office here, and uh, most people would probably know you for your research that you've done on the early church, like um, Ananicene Fathers, that, that whole thing. You've written numerous books about it. Back in 2011, you came out with a book that surprised me, I'll be honest, because yeah. it was about American history, um, and it's called In God We Don't Trust. Um, and yeah, let's just, let's just dialogue about that. First of all, what inspired you to write it, and, and what's the basic premise of, of that book? Okay, yeah, you're, you're right. Most of my um, research over the years has been on the early church, and that's mm-hmm. really you know, my primary research uh, today. This came about be, I, probably because we were homeschooling our children. And so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, if you're using Christian textbooks like Bob Jones or uh, Abeka, which, you know, they both put out excellent, uh, very mm-hmm. interesting textbooks, but their American history textbooks, <laughs> yeah, tend to be extremely um, uh, patriotic. They don't represent what we would know as the two kingdoms, the doctrine mm-hmm. of the two kingdoms. And, and certainly not, they wouldn't reflect what early Christianity, who um, the early Christians would have believed in the doctrine of the two kingdoms. They didn't call it that, but, but mm-hmm. you know, they firmly believed that as Christians, we have to be separate from all the kingdoms of this world. We, we, sure. It's not God and country, it's God, you know, because God demands our exclusive devotion. Now, we live obediently whatever country we happen mm-hmm. to be in, but our ultimate loyalty is to God. Mm-hmm. And so... Reading these patriotic um, uh, Christian textbooks, um, I thought someone needs to present another side to American history, not from a liberal perspective or anti-Christian perspective, Mm -hmm. but from an Anabaptist perspective, from a kingdom of God perspective, something that would be uh, reflective of the early Christian view of the Anabaptists, the Quakers, those groups. and yet not be uh, trying to paint history to fit us, but just, yeah, re- what really did happen yeah. with the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, because, yeah, that's interesting, because, just correct me if I'm wrong, but this book is dealing specifically with the founding of America, the, the revolution. Right. Yeah, so the kind of the premise of the book, if I understand correctly, is comparing those early colonists and what they were doing to what does the kingdom of God teach? Do those two match? Because, you know, that's a rhetoric we've heard, I mean, <laughs> countless times, you know. They really don't. And it's really hard because on so many subjects, you know, I, I would be, um, would fit in with, you know, conservative evangelical mm-hmm. Christians on so many social issues. Now, we'll be talking later. I don't get involved in, in politics um, as a kingdom Christian, but... Yeah, I, I'm not at all liberal. I don't come from that perspective as, as a person. Mm-hmm. And yet I think as Christians, we need to look at some of these things honestly, not to whitewash um, our history. I think almost everyone who's taken basic American history in, in school knows that the big issue was taxation, you know, that the colonists didn't want to pay the taxes that uh, England was uh, imposing mm-hmm. uh, on the colonies. And... Um, and so, yeah, they refused to pay the taxes and ultimately led to revolution. Mm-hmm. And yet anyone who's read the New Testament 
at all has read Jesus saying, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Mm -hmm. And and the question was about taxes. You know, is it proper to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And then moving from Jesus to Paul, Paul tells us in Romans 13 Mm -hmm. that we're to be subject to the authorities um, to pay taxes to whom taxes are, are due, honor to whom honor. And it's like, well, wait a minute. The whole revolution was based on, we're not going to pay taxes to you because we don't like mm-hmm. your taxes, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, since the time I was a little boy, it was like, how does this jive with Jesus' teaching? I always saw a problem, mm-hmm. um, e- even though, uh, again, I, I don't, I'm not... Um, negative on the United States, you know, or, you know, anti-America or, or anything like that. But mm. yeah, if our loyalty is really to Jesus Christ and his teachings, can we present this as being something that's godly? Mm-hmm. And would it explain maybe some of the problems America has right now that, you mm. know, it's upsetting to Christians when we see, you know, uh, God being pushed out of the school, you you can't mm-hmm. teach about, talk about God, you can't, you know, read from the Bible in public schools and all of that. And could some of these problems have started because of the roots of, of how America was founded? I think these are some questions we should ask yeah. as conservative Christians, you know, that uh, just because we are conservative and we are Christian doesn't mean that that we have to automatically put a stamp of approval on what the colonists did. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so were, were there other things as well that your research found besides, I mean, clearly you have a very strong spirit of rebellion. You know, we're right. not going to do what, what the king is telling us to do. And I, I'm sure there's plenty of other things, but specifically around that time, yeah. what all did you find? Well, it's interesting because um, I think my readers know if I'm going to address any subject, I'm going to do tons and tons of, of research so, so that, you know, it doesn't mean I'm going to be infallible at the end of it, but yeah, that I thoroughly know what I'm talking about if I'm going to address a subject. And my original idea was just to be talking about the American Revolution, and it was going to largely be about taxation. But I wanted to, you know, start back before the revolution and just, you know, be reading things, read the charters of the different colonies and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I saw a lot of other things that were disturbing. Uh, among them was the whole attitude of the of the English and I think all of the Europeans. And, and one of their, in fact, one of the documents I, I found, it was sort of this idea that if we want to go to another part of the world and start colonies there, well, we have the right. And, and it laid it out this way. It said, either the people there mm-hmm. will invite us to come and settle there, mm-hmm. in which case it's fine, and I would agree on that. Or they unlawfully resist us, and we have to defend ourselves. So in other words, the natives of that country, whatever country it is, they can't win. You know, if they yeah. either invite you, in which case you're coming, or they say, no, you can't come, in which case you're going to say, well, you're treating us wrong, and we're going to defend ourselves if you attack us. You know, wow. we're going to just come mm-hmm. in anyway, you know. And so I thought, you know, this is really unchristian. I can accept the first one that, yeah, if, if uh, mm-hmm. other pe- people say, hey, it's, it's fine to settle here, or if it's uninhabited, that was the other thing. Yeah, if, mm-hmm. if no one lives there. Sure. You know, and there were islands that were totally uninhabited, you know, not very many, but there were mm-hmm. some, you know. But um, so I thought, yeah, this whole attitude wow. uh, isn't really <laughs> Christian the way it all started. I don't know if I go into it in detail in, in this book, In God We Don't Trust. I did a CD series on the myth of Christian America, 
and oh, interesting. That goes into into more detail, and I, and I go through the different founding fathers, like George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, mm-hmm. John Adams, you know, and some of them would have been fairly devout Bible believing Christians, like Samuel Adams. Mm-hmm. Now. Most people would say he didn't reflect the spirit of, of Christ. He was definitely a warmonger. He, he probably more than anyone else uh, is responsible for the American Revolution, you know, stirring it up and, and, and all of that. But he was a firm believer in Scripture, you know, but, but there's that <laughs> yeah, contradiction there. Um, and then it goes down the line. Uh, Alexander Hamilton, I think, was a fairly devout Christian. Uh, Benjamin Franklin uh, had a lot of respect for the Bible, but he was a deist. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Thomas Jefferson was mm-hmm. um, a deist who appreciated Jesus as a good teacher, but rejected his uh, divinity or the virgin uh, birth, you know, things like that. George Washington seems to have been a, a deist. He attended church, but, um, and I was real curious on him. And so, He's got this long, they call it the diary. I mean, it's a journal that he kept, mm-hmm. uh, and it's multi-volumes. And I, I must have spent, I don't know, a, a month just reading through it, mm-hmm. the entries in. And it's very interesting. I mean, on Sundays, he'll talk about, oh, we had so-and-so over for dinner today. Mm-hmm. And this or that. Never once is there anything about, yeah, the sermon today was on this or that topic. Really? He never talks about prayer, never talks about anything from whoa, whoa, Scripture. Whoa. I know, I'm reading this. Wait like, a minute. Because I know I'd read all this in American text, you know, the textbooks what? about, yeah, you know, George Washington, you know, praying there in, in uh, yeah, Valley the, Forge. The, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, how could this be real? I mean, reading uh, this man's, again, he is a very, I mean, I admire him as a human being. I mean, mm-hmm, sure. that guy could have been king if he wanted to. I mean, he had all of America in, in his uh, power. And the reason we even have a democracy is because he was willing to step back. You know, mm-hmm. um, after the revolution, he himself stepped back and resigned his commission. He could have kept as a general and we could have had more of a military dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Or when he was made president, he could have just stayed in office indefinitely. And then you'd have president for life and that usually ends up in a yeah, dictatorship yeah, or something yeah. like that. He stepped down after two terms and that's why we have the two terms. If it was the mm-hmm. precedent, now it's law, but then it was just a precedent that he set. Mm-hmm. And then others felt like, wow, if George Washington stepped down after two <laughs> terms, who am I to you know, yeah. uh, stay in longer? Now, Franklin Roosevelt went to four terms and then after that, they passed a law limiting it to, uh, to two mm-hmm. terms. But. So I respect him a lot as a person. I mean, he's got more Christian, uh, I'd say, ethics. But, yeah, so then I started reading, okay, what do we know about his Christianity? And his own pastor, you know, said that he wouldn't take communion. The preacher preached a sermon against people doing that, you know, that to come to church and particularly, (laughs) uh, what did he say? Something about statesmen, the example that they should be setting and to not take communion. And afterwards, George Washington, you know, uh, thanked him for the sermon, and thereafter, when it was Communion Sunday, yeah, he just didn't come to church. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. So it, yeah, he either oh, stayed or he left right after. But yeah, after that, he just didn't come to church on Communion Sunday, and so that told me a lot. Plus, yeah, the same preacher says he never saw him kneeling for prayer in in church. That got me thinking. So we're supposed to believe he was kneeling out in the snow when if he didn't kneel in church for prayer. And as Episcopalian, mm. I was an Anglican for a short, you know, for several years. And I know, I mean, that's a big part of Anglican worship is you're kneeling, you know. Mm. And it's like, 
what? He didn't kneel with the others? Um, and so I started tracking that down. Where did this come from? And it was the same guy who came up with George Washington, you know, cutting down the cherry tree and saying, I cannot tell a lie. I mean, total myth. And yeah, Parson Williams, he's the one who came up with that whole thing. about just made it up? Or? Well, I don't know if he made it up, but he got it from people. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it doesn't come from any, any, you can't trace a source back who lived there, you, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was a pious thing that, you know, uh, people wanted to believe and, and all of that. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I, that I'm 99% I'm sure is, is myth. Again, like you say, I, I can praise him as a human being, but uh, yeah, yeah he, he really wasn't a, a, a Christian. He was, uh, he, does, he never talked about his religious beliefs, you know, which again, yeah, what kind of Christian doesn't talk about his, uh, his yeah. Christianity? It took me a long time tracking down George Washington because there's been, because the uh, conservative, you know, fundamentalist Christians mm. um, uh, have done so much to, you know, push George Washington that they really have held yeah. him up as their, you know, banner. Uh, and so I really wanted to be sure on the guy. And it didn't, it didn't matter. In other words, Jesus' teachings are clear mm -hmm. that we should pay our taxes. I mean, so whether George Washington, you know, was a devout Christian, fine. That doesn't change that. And if yeah. he was a deist, yeah. that, that's fine. None of that changes. So I, I was just curious uh, on him. And because like we have prayers, you know, uh, a prayer that was George Washington. I thought, okay, so this guy wrote a prayer. But then I find out it was really Alexander Hamilton, who, who was, you know, a, a devout Christian, who wrote, you know, George Washington's most of his speeches, most of his letters, this sort of thing, just like they use speechwriters today. Uh, also, you know, yeah, some of his sermons where he talks about, you know, Christianity, mm. that was Alexander Hamilton. Now, on the other hand, it would be absolutely correct to say that George Washington mm. had enormous respect for Christianity, for churches. He, mm -hmm. he did not think a democracy could last without the churches. I mean, he really pushed to promote, you know, churches. Mm. This idea of, yeah, the government should have hands off with the churches, that, that definitely was not the uh, view of the founding fathers. Mm -hmm. They did not want a state church, you know, or saying this is orthodox and this isn't orthodox. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. wanted the federal government to stay out of it, but they did not want the federal government to be antagonistic towards Christianity like it is today, mm -hmm. you, you know. Almost a live and let live type attitude, I guess. More than live and let live. No, it, it was Christianity is good. The nation needs it. We need mm -hmm. the churches um, and the state. See, it was only the federal government that could not establish religion. The states, a lot of the states at that time, most of them, I think, had hmm. a state church. It was just the federal government couldn't. There's yeah. been a, a big change in this in this country that yeah, mm -hmm. I would not be in favor of, even though as a kingdom Christian, mm -hmm. I recognize the two kingdoms that we stay out of politics, that no government can be a Christian government. It's, there's mm -hmm. always going to be that conflict. But I think God is pleased when a government um, wants to bless Christians, wants to uh, mm -hmm. promote Christianity, uh, you know, not as a state religion, but as something mm -hmm. worthwhile rather than fighting against it. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's that's good. And that's how this country did start. And mm -hmm. it is definitely you know, drifted downward, you know, from sure. from that. Now, on the other hand, the founding fathers, I think, had a little bit to do with why the downward drift has happened. 
Thomas Jefferson wrote the, the Declaration of Independence. He was a deist. Um, mm -hmm. He respected, you know, Christianity. The American deists were not atheists. They, they believed in a God who mm -hmm. created the universe, set everything in motion, and then kind of stepped back to a degree. But they did believe he answers prayer. George Washington definitely believed in the value of prayer and, and, okay. and, and God's okay. providence, you know. Um, whereas the European deists tended to think prayer was a waste of time. And so, hmm. yeah, people like Thomas Jefferson would have had, you know, they would have read the Bible, respected it, mm -hmm. uh, that sort of thing. But yeah, like in the Declaration of Independence, maybe there's one reference. I'm trying to think hmm. to God and it's in a strange term. And then the Constitution makes no reference to God, which it was really unusual in all the state documents of that time. I mean, you look at the constitutions of the various individual colonies mm -hmm. uh, and uh, individual states, they all talk about God and, and all of that. Mm. When you look at the European constitutions, you know, God, then you get to the American Constitution, no mention of God. Not because they wanted an atheistic government. I, I honestly can't tell you the reason um, for it, but it tells me hmm. there was something wrong there. Hmm. And I think that failure to acknowledge that, as Romans 13 says, that their authority comes from God, that all authority, and Jesus said it to Pilate, you know, I think it is good for any government to acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. And um, without intending to, I, I think they maybe sowed the seeds that yeah, promoted a, a, a more secular type of country and mm. that today we definitely you know are seeing it you know more full scale you know and and yeah. a, almost a war on christianity in certain respects yeah. and that was one of the reasons i wrote the book is mm -hmm. can we restore it to a christian country if it wasn't christian to start with if the foundation Ooh. yeah was was based on rebelling against jesus's teaching not just rebelling mm -hmm. against the king of england but rebelling yeah. it with jesus told us to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. If Paul told us, you know, mm. to obey the superior authorities, to pay mm -hmm. your taxes, and then you go out and refuse to pay them, you, you beat up tax collectors, you threaten their lives, you burn their houses down. Mm. Wow, I mean, you are acting in rebellion against Jesus Christ. Well, and, yeah, and then you go in a step further and killing people. Yeah, you know, and, and then taking up your, your, yeah. arm, your guns and killing people. Yeah, I mean, I mean th this is like... You are really flying in the face of yeah. everything Jesus taught about loving your enemy, about, mm -hmm. you know, paying your taxes to Caesar and, and that. And, and then you, you want to call it a Christian country. Well, yeah, if you want a Christian country, if that's possible, which I don't think it is, then do it Jesus way. Pray that God, you know, Britain mm -hmm. will give us our independence. Fight the battle on your knees. And if God wanted mm -hmm. it to be independent, um, and I can believe he did, then he would bring it about without needing to take up arms. Yeah. And yeah, it shows you don't have that ultimate faith in God that if you do things his way, you're feeling like, oh, we're going to be made slaves. And that was always what was said. You know, boy, if we don't take up arms, you know, they're going to make slaves out of us, which is, I mean, nothing. I mean, we have all of the records of parliament. Nothing's hidden now. You know, we know no one had any designs to do anything to the colonies. It's something... Yeah, it showed, like I say, ultimately their lack of faith in God. Why well, I said mm -hmm. in God we don't trust. If they trusted mm. in God, they would have done things God's way. You've already hit on this a little bit, but those early feelings of the, of the colonists and the revolution, how does that affect us now in the 21st century? Like those feelings of rebellion? And then I think more specifically, and maybe you want to attack this on a separate, a separate note, but feelings towards the Native Americans. 
um, that were here before it was colonized. So maybe that's kind of a two-parter, but yeah, how does that play out today? Yeah, it's it's interesting today, and I think how it's playing out Mm -hmm. and how the secular left is pointing to some of these genuine failings and using maximum leverage that, see, Christianity is deficient. Look at these Christians. They (laughs) killed the Indians and all of that. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that hurts me as a Christian because... I agree. It was wrong to just take land from the Indians. I think everyone, you know, would would believe that now. But the left is probably more vocal about that mm-hmm. than the so-called Christian right, you know. Yeah. And really, Bible-believing Christians should be the most vocal. I mean, we should have, well, like say, people like the Pilgrims and the Puritans who were Bible-believing. Well, I guess all the Christians who came over, even the Anglicans, would have been Bible-believing in, in those days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they should have recognized, hey, it's not right to take somebody's land just because we are stronger than they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could have settled here in America. They did bring certain advantages to the Native Americans, you know, mm-hmm. bringing, um, say, metal utensils. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, that was a big boon to the um, Native Americans, uh, metal things like metal hoes mm-hmm. and axes with metal blades versus using a stone, you know, Oh, yeah. These were big assets to the uh, Native Americans. They were happy Mm -hmm. to trade with the uh, English and French and Dutch traders, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And there was a good bit of of room here that they were willing to sell land and and do that sort of thing. So the Mm -hmm. two could could have coexisted. But, yeah, it was this this thing that we have a right to this land and Mm. yeah, it's okay for us to just keep pushing the native Americans further and further away Mm. or doing things that would cause a war with them. And then of course, with our guns, we can annihilate them and Mm. and say God was blessing us. So the non-Christians in our country see the wrongness in, in that and uh, the hypocrisy Mm. and of course, it helps to turn people away from God. And, and so, yeah. Um, yeah, what these, you know, Christians did, people who profess to be Christians, of course, a lot of them were also unbelievers, and the left never takes notice of that. Well, the unbelievers <laughs> didn't behave any differently. They were the worst <laughs> of the worst, you, you know. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, you had lots of drunks, a lot of, you know, people who had no use for God, you know, who were over here too taking land. So, I mean, you know, it's not fair to just put it on Christianity, but Christians should have behaved differently. Mm-hmm. And Christians today should acknowledge that and yeah, distance themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What they did was wrong. You know, Christians do not behave that, that way. And, um, uh, and so, yeah, it has hurt the cause of Bible believing Christianity. But on the other hand, one of the things I bring out in, in the book and that um, I was particularly wanting to research along with everything else um, was the fact there were Christians that I call kingdom Christians mm-hmm. who were committed to living by the teachings of, the, um, of Jesus Christ and the apostles, like William Penn, who was a Quaker, okay? Mm-hmm. So when he came over, um, the King of England had uh, given him you know, pretty much the whole state of Pennsylvania for canceling a debt that the king owed him uh, from his father. William Penn's father had was not a Quaker and had uh, 
brought about, I think, some military victories or, or, or whatever, um, and made loans to the uh, British government that now, you know, the, the king had to pay. And, oh, yeah, he was happy just, you know, give him this land that, <laughs> that really wasn't his to give. And I think Penn knew that. So when he came over here, he basically bought it twice. He then negotiated with the Indians and, wow. and started buying it from them. So he did the the right thing. I mean, he was you know, not a, a man who had no flaws. He, but, but I think, you know, overall the life of William Penn is a, is a great testimony to Christianity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, a, a person could come here and treat the Indians fairly and, and do well. Mm -hmm. Now his sons were not devout Quakers and they, his sons did cheat the Indians, you know, but, but William Penn, I, I have not seen anything, you know, from any perspective, right, left, Indian, you know, whatever that anyone has accused him of, you know, mm -hmm. of doing things wrongly. And then uh, he invited the Mennonites and Amish to settle here. Uh -huh. And um, they settled on the lands that, you know, he had bought from the, the Indians. Mm -hmm. And um, and they didn't take up arms in the American Revolution, you, you know. Mm -hmm. And and so uh, it was possible to do things God's God's way. Now, these kingdom Christians, you know, like the Quakers and the, the uh, Mennonites and, and Amish, uh, they then ended up being persecuted by the uh, revolutionaries, you know. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, even though this was Pennsylvania that had been founded by Quakers um, and, you know, from day one did not believe mm -hmm. in taking up arms, well, these non, and, and they, they let non-Quakers settle here, you know, not just mm -hmm. Mennonites and Amish, but also Presbyterians and anybody, Ang Anglicans, Lutherans, whatever. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, after a while, they had a lot of people, maybe the majority, who were not non-resistant. Mm -hmm. And so then in the American Revolution, yeah, they started putting these people in prison for not mm -hmm. taking up arms, even though this, this had been their state, you know, founded on that principle. And, mm -hmm. and so not only were they ungodly in the way they acted towards the British, they were ungodly towards their brothers and sisters who would not take up arms. I don't know how nuanced we want to get, but just the, especially the treatment of the Native Americans, you know, I, we've all kind of heard pieces of that, you know, the whole wounded knee thing and whatever, but I never quite realized how, how bad it was. Like you say, over a hundred years, 200 years, just taking more land and breaking mm -hmm. this treaty and this treaty, and even like the American Revolution, that was actually one of the causes of the American Revolution mm -hmm. was, I don't want to portray the British as good guys because I don't think they did anything to be <laughs> unselfish or to be nice to the Native Americans. But in the French and Indian War, mm -hmm. um, certain tribes aligned themselves with England and certain tribes aligned themselves with, with France, you know, and England won that war, okay? Well, England had told the Indian tribes that had, had helped them win that war mm. that, you know, the colonists would not be allowed to settle beyond mm. the Appalachian Mountains, okay? And before the French and Indian War, which the British won for the, the colonists didn't win that. I mean, they mm. fought in it, but it was mainly the British who did most of the dying and mm. all of the planning and all of the money came from Britain and, and mm. everything else, you know, uh, you know, plus Indians as, as, as well, Native Americans. Mm. Um, and there was plenty of room. I mean, there were, I'm trying to remember how many colonists, a million and a half mm. living in the space that is now occupied by, I don't know how many million, 200 million, whatever it is. I mean, a huge number of people. There yeah. was plenty of land here, 
east of the Appalachian Mountains. And yet, as soon as the French and Indian War was over, and now the French were out of there, Mm -hmm. and so the colonists could safely go over the Appalachians and not have to encounter the French, uh, that it was like, oh, we want to go there. And And Britain was saying, no, you're not allowed to go beyond the Appalachians. And the colonists were pushing that let's huh. break this treaty with the, the Indians. And so it was very, very wrong what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And again, it was deists, it was, you know, atheists, it was Bible-believing Christians. They were all in it together. You know, mm-hmm. you can't point a finger just at Bible-believing Christians or just mm-hmm. at atheists or all that. But yeah, none mm-hmm. of them acted differently. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, yeah, we're colonists. We want over, mm-hmm. uh, we want more and more cheap, you know, uh, land. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, so that was one of the big tensions that Britain mm-hmm. was holding them back. And um, the colonists did not like that. If Britain was out of the way, and we saw that, that's what happened with the revolution. Once yeah. Britain was out of the way, yeah, nothing stopped them. They eventually went to the Pacific Ocean, mm-hmm. you know, and the Indians, yeah, had everything taken from them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a very yeah. unchristian, ungodly thing that, that happened. Uh, that Christians should have set an example. Mm-hmm. Again, they were no worse than atheists, but yeah, they should have been better. We're not called to mm-hmm. be, you know, Jesus didn't didn't want us to be just uh, no worse than the heathens, but we should be the light of the world. You know, mm-hmm. we should be showing what the way of love is, you know. Yeah, it, it's not as strong as it used to be, but there's still a, a, a lot of people out there that are arguing, no, America is a Christian nation, or at least it was a Christian nation. That's a very common rhetoric right. that's still going on. What do you say in response to that? Are they holding on to some idealized sense of the past that they think is slowly disappearing from underneath their feet? Or what's going on there? Definitely when it was settled, it was a nation that respected Christianity. Mm-hmm. Not a nation that necessarily respected Jesus' teachings, but respected Christianity. And there mm-hmm. is a difference. In other words, the churches for ever since the time of Constantine had not been living by Jesus's teachings, had been Mm -hmm. fighting one another, fighting uh, pagans, fighting Muslims, whatever. They were Mm -hmm. not living by love your enemies, turn the other cheek. Mm -hmm. And like I say, Christians weren't doing that against with one another. They weren't abiding by Jesus teachings and in their dealing with non-Christians, they were not doing it. Uh, So yeah, there is a distinction between obeying Jesus teachings and being interested in promoting churches. So Mm -hmm. the colonists who came over were definitely interested in promoting churches that they believed was Christianity, Mm -hmm. but they just ignored the uncomfortable teachings of of Jesus. Um, So, yeah, with uh, the colonists, I think all of the colonists had state churches. Colonies, I mean, mm-hmm. um, I can't think of one that did not. Uh, well, Rhode Island, uh, I think, didn't. So it would have been one of the 13 that did not. Mm-hmm. I think all of the others did. Now, after the revolution, uh, in a short time, most of them dropped. Mm-hmm. Dr- well, in a short time, all of them dropped that. But mm-hmm. they, they had state churches, I think nearly all of them, except Rhode Island mm-hmm. at the time of the revolution. Um all of them would have had laws that if you were an atheist, you could not hold public office. And, and that continued a long time after the, the, uh, the revolution. You had people like, you know, Washington and, and I think all of them, Benjamin Franklin, um, who maybe if they were not Christians, uh, they respected the role that churches played in mm-hmm. society. 
And they, they were afraid of a country that without churches, what would keep people in line? If they didn't believe in God, if they didn't believe in the afterlife and that there's mm-hmm. a punishment mm-hmm. after death, even if you get away with something in this life, you, you know. But like I say, their Christianity wasn't consistent with Jesus' teachings. You know, they wanted mm-hmm. to take some of the New Testament, but not all of it. Mm-hmm. And so it was a defective Christianity that we've seen, I mean, since the time of Constantine, once you got a state church, then, yeah, Christ, Christians had been opposed to participating in war up until that time. Mm-hmm. But once you had the Roman Empire saying, okay, Christianity is now the religion of the Roman Empire, is like, so what do we do when people attack us? Well, we're going to defend us and defend ourselves. And what if we want more land? Well, we're going to take up arms. And so pretty soon yeah. you had holy war, quote, holy war. It's never holy, but they, you know, started giving a yeah. Christian uh, aura to, you know, to war and that yeah. sort of thing. And that continued on from the time of Constantine through the colonists. Uh, they were our, our, um operating with that mm-hmm. that concept of you can have Christianity and kill others and take their land and conquer and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so so what would you say today then to those statements? Oh, but, but America still is Christian. If by Christian you mean that Christian churches um, were uh, promoted by the state governments, mm-hmm. uh, that the federal government uh, spoke well and wanted to see churches prosper, mm-hmm. then, then yeah, it was a Christian country, if that's your definition. Now, if yeah. you mean <laughs> in line with Jesus' <laughs> teachings, no, you know, you <laughs> cannot have a Christian country. It's, it yeah. is a contradiction in terms because the, uh, un- the godless are going to take it from you by force, mm. you, you know, and uh, yeah, the apostles never set out, you know, trying to s- establish Christian countries, you know, mm. They were preaching a kingdom that is not of this world. And, yeah. and that, that kingdom cannot be defended with arms. It cannot grow uh, through arms. Mm-hmm. And yet arms can't defeat it e- either. You know, it's been here from the time of Christ. No one has been able mm-hmm. to shut it down. There have always been Christians who were non-resistant, who would not take up the sword. Mm-hmm. And even though they've been tortured and persecuted and, and countries have tried to annihilate them, mm-hmm. they've never been able to. Jesus is always stronger than that. Mm-hmm. And if the colonists had put that kind of faith in uh, Jesus Christ, yeah, I think we could have had something um, that would have respected the rights mm-hmm. of the Native Americans, and yet people could have settled here. Uh, I think there would have been a peaceful break with England at, at some point in, in, in time. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, if it's God's will, it will be done God's way. Mm-hmm. When you take up guns, then you're not doing it God's way. Yeah, and see, that's kind of the concern I, I see because we have we have a, a lot of evangelical churches today or fundamentalist churches or whatever say, you know, America is a Christian nation. These different military operations that the U.S. is doing right now are okay. They're sanctioned because we're a Christian nation. We're defending Christian values. And um, it just seems like a repeat of history almost, doesn't it? Or, or yeah. yeah, like what, how is this being they'll missed? Say, you know they'll I mean? say our faith and trust is in God. Yeah. But then they, they worry if, oh, our military might get weak, if, you know. And so it yeah. tends to be Christians who get upset if, the United States wants to cut its military budget. And it's like, right, well, this yeah. is a terrible testimony. Do we believe if 
God is behind this country, then we don't have to worry about the military mm -hmm. budget because God is going to prevail. Mm -hmm. It shows we don't really trust in God. Jesus didn't give us prayer as something we, we do while really trusting in human might, but mm -hmm. oh, we pray to God for his blessing. No, either mm -hmm. you trust in God and his power like Jesus and the apostles did, or you don't trust in God, mm -hmm. you want to use him as a front and you really trust in military might. And the apostles mm -hmm. that were able to spread the gospel of the kingdom, even though Rome forbid it, the mightiest empire that had ever existed mm -hmm. up until that time, forbid them to preach, forbid the churches to meet, and yet it couldn't stop them. They still met, yes. they still preached, mm -hmm. Christianity spread. And so God has the power to protect his people but we will suffer. Jesus told us that. He suffered and, we, and he set an example for us. Mm -hmm. But it's when we want to avoid suffering, that, yeah, that we take up arms. It's when we really don't trust in God's ways as being mm -hmm. the best ways. We don't trust in his might as being sufficient mm -hmm. that we put this reliance on, you know, guns and military and that sort of thing. And again, I want to emphasize in saying this, that I am a conservative Bible-believing Christian. It's, mm -hmm. I'm not saying this as um, some secular humanist or mm -hmm. a, a liberal Christian who doesn't believe in the scriptures or who, who you know, is active in, in liberal politics or anything like, like that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I'm coming straight from what Jesus' teachings are, what the historic Christian faith was, the mm -hmm. historic practice of Christians, what they did in the beginning. And um, they believed that by staying out of politics, not taking up the sword, that they were protecting the Roman Empire. Hmm. And they pointed out to the Romans, look, ever since Jesus was born, you've had, let's say Origen said this, you've had 200 years of mm -hmm. peace. You know, it's known today as the Pax Romana, the mm -hmm. Roman peace, you know. And the reason you've had this, why wars have ceased in that part of the world, is because Christians are praying and asking for God to hold back mm. the demons that stir up war. And it is interesting that as long as Christians, you know, would not use the sword, huh. the Roman Empire prospered. And then after Constantine, then they started, you know, taking up the sword. Mm -hmm. And in fact, by the end of the 300s, you weren't allowed in the army unless you were a Christian. And then that's when the barbarians, you know, overran the Western <laughs> Empire. So yeah. it didn't mm. work using the sword and it did work relying on prayer. And, and yeah, I would say I would call Bible believing Christians to get back into really trusting God in a real way. You know, not not using his name and then really trusting in military might. Mm -hmm. So one last question then with all of this. What should the place of voting be in the lives of Christians now here in America? Where, yeah, where does that fit into this whole picture? Tertullian, one of the early Christian writers, he, he said, there's nothing uh, more foreign to a Christian than public affairs. And, <laughs> and um, uh -huh. yeah, the early Christians and the New Testament Christians, you don't see Paul getting involved in politics, you know, with the, the conflicts between the Jewish nation mm -hmm. and, and the, the Roman Empire and all of that, Christians stayed out of that. They didn't fight on, the Jewish Christians didn't pick up the sword and yeah, let's get Rome out of, you know, Palestine and, and all of that. They didn't have any use for that. They were promoting the kingdom of, of God. And that's what I 
have seen repeatedly the testimony of the early Christians is, you know, the Christians stay out of politics, they stay out of government. Um, now, at the time of the New Testament, you had the Roman Empire, you didn't have voting, uh, it wasn't the Roman Republic anymore, so that wasn't a specific issue, but it just general involvement of, of government, mm. you know, they, they saw the inconsistencies you would get into. And so today, one of the inconsistencies, okay, as Christians, if we're not going to take up arms and fight and kill people, is it right for me to vote into office the commander-in-chief? You, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 there's such an a inconsistency there, you know. Uh, I'm not willing to take up arms on behalf of my country, whether I'm an American, uh, a Chinese, well, you know, wh- wh- whatever country I'm, you know, mm-hmm. kingdom of God, we, we, we're not going to kill our brothers in another country. Well, yeah, how can we then vote for uh, the one who's going to be in charge of those, of those armies? Mm-hmm. So I do see a huge inconsistency and no political party is ever going to represent Christianity. You couldn't get elected, you know, if you stuck with Jesus's <laughs> teaching. Um, yeah, oh I mean, yeah, you have <laughs> yeah. on the one side, you know, the, the conser- uh, conservative, the Republican Party, who tend to be more militaristic, you know, big on war, big on military might, big on guns mm-hmm. and that. And then you have the, the liberal, uh, the Democratic Party. And, you know, uh, mm-hmm. they would go against Jesus' teachings on, you know, uh, marriage, on, on uh, you know, just trying to get Christianity out of school, you know, prayer out of school, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. I'm, often they're very anti-Christian. So, yeah, I don't see, as a Christian, how could you support either political party? Mm-hmm. And um, and like I say, no one could possibly get elected, you know, a, a, a platform based on, yeah, we're going to love our enemies, we're going to yeah, do this and, and, and that. It's not, yeah, it's not going to no. happen. I mean, it's almost like if, if it's, it's ridiculous, but if Jesus would have run for president, I mean, yeah. and they would ask him, what's your policy on war? Oh, we're just going to love our enemies. You know, yeah. I mean, who would ever vote for someone like right. that? Right. And Jesus didn't try to uh, Christianize Rome or mm-hmm. Judaism, e- either one. You know, he said, my kingdom is not a... Of this world. In fact, he said, if my kingdom were of this world, my followers would fight. Mm-hmm. But, but my kingdom not. isn't. Yeah. yeah. And so we can't make his kingdom part of this world. You know, mm-hmm. we have to accept that mm-hmm. and be glad about it that his kingdom isn't of this world because anything of this world, invariably, you have all of these inconsistencies we've been talking mm-hmm. about. You know, the, yeah. the two are not compatible. You can't run a government of this world by the teachings that are designed for a kingdom that's not of this world. <laughs> That makes perfect sense. For more information about Anabaptist Perspectives, to read our blog, to donate, and to see videos of the conversations you hear on this podcast, visit anabaptistperspectives.org. We'd love to hear from our audience, so leave your feedback in the comments for this podcast or send us a message through our Facebook page. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. Thank you for listening to Anabaptist Perspectives. 
Your listening and sharing this with friends helps more people find our episodes. A special thanks to all of you who support Anabaptist Perspectives financially. We are here because of you. If you haven't had the chance to give yet this year, would you consider making a year-end donation? You can donate on our website or by check. Thank you so much for listening and supporting Anabaptist Perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We invite you to join our monthly partner program. Monthly partners are key to the financial sustainability of Anabaptist Perspectives. Partners also gain access to bonus content, including our exclusive podcast where we respond to audience questions and comments. Sign up at anabaptistperspectives.org.